Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Ashley On Air. I am, of course, your host, Ashley Rogers. I am a naturopathic practitioner and herbalist specializing in functional and energetic medicine. And today I have a very special show for you guys, Dr. Nicole LaPera. Am I saying that right? Nicole? You sure are, Ashley. Yes, thank awesome. you. <laughs> she, you guys probably know her better as the holistic psychologist on Instagram. She is doing amazing work. Her mission is like taking the world by storm as I just told her. So I'm so thankful to have you here today. Thank you so much for your time. I know that it's very valuable, so I appreciate it. Thank you. So I, I actually, I appreciate you having me on. I love connecting with other audiences. So I, I thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, let's just do a little intro of yourself. Tell us about you, you know, where you grew up, how you got into what you're doing now, and just come take us along your journey from start to now. You got it. You got it. So I am born and raised in Philadelphia, which is where I currently live. Um, I'm one of those people that always kind of intuitively, I think, knew what I was going to be when I got older. I was always, I mean, obviously, if you want to dive into it, I was always fascinated with the mind. Um, and there's obviously points of my childhood experience that I'm sure contributed, but as long as I can remember, if I were to ask, it was like going to be a psychologist. I took the, took the one psychology course in my high school. Um, I entered my undergrad um, at Cornell as a declared psychology major. So I was like, stay the course en route to being a clinical psychologist. So fast forward, I became one. <laughs> um, and I did my graduate training in New York City. So I moved back to Philadelphia uh, to set up shop, to hang my shingle, if you will. And I did just that. Um, and on a personal note, I guess I want to mention too, because this definitely weaves into my story. I, as a human, am someone who suffer, has suffered, as long as I can remember as well, with anxiety. Um, I was a little girl who was scared of everything, you know, my 20s were a mess um, while I actually at the same time when I started my clinical training living in New York City, um, uh, because of some family things that were going on, my mom had a pretty severe health issue, heart scare with big surgery, uh, my brand of anxiety is health related. So as you can imagine, so my twenties were panic attack after panic attack. So mm -hmm. when I say I struggle with anxiety, it's all I knew. And it was pretty debilitating for me. Um, so flashing forward again, I'm in Philly. I set up my shop. Uh, I'm going about my thing. I'm doing the standard. I think as a lot of us, when we hear psychologist therapy, we think the couch, I do indeed have a couch in my office. People would come <laughs> in week after week and they would talk to me. Um, sure. So obviously armed with all of the tools that I learned in my uh, training, I started to do the work, to dive into the work. And a couple years in, I started to, in my personal life, have some crazy health symptoms. So here comes my health anxiety again. So I was fainting, I was, being, I was getting dizzy left and right. Uh, my anxiety started to really spike again. Uh, in my practice, I had also started to observe, I at this point, again, had logged several years with, with the patients, the clients mm -hmm. that I was working with, and I was starting to observe a, a lack of progress. So now I'm almost having like a mirrored experience where I'm feeling stuck in like the people that I'm working with aren't getting better. Yeah. Here I am in my personal life. My anxiety is still there. Like I said, it's actually ratcheting up again. Physically, I'm actually on a decline. So I'm starting to, I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Like mm -hmm. I would at that point fancy myself a self-aware person. I had all the tools and like nothing was working and mm -hmm. the, health, the health stuff scared me. To be honest. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I, I scared my way right onto the vast <laughs> internet uh, to try to figure out again what the hell was going on with me. Uh, and my whole world was blown apart at that point. Uh, I started to, I was introduced to a whole other side of health mm-hmm. that I had never heard about, had not learned about. Uh, I w- had started to come to realize that we have a new science out there that is epigenetics, which essentially, right? So we have these genes, but hey, our environment and our lifestyle choices are playing a role in what is happening to us. Absolutely. I started to realize, and you'll appreciate the gut and the role that health and nutrition and all of that stuff Absolutely. plays in contributing to some of symptoms. Yeah. Um, I started to, you know, psychoneuroimmunology came as a concept, which is a really big, long way of saying, hey, our emotions actually physically make us sick. Yeah. And I started to put together pieces of a puzzle. And I wondered then, I was like, hmm, I think maybe you know, there is something and changes that I actually have within my control. And I started with myself first as a sample of one, if you will. And I went onto a whole big self-healing journey. I turned my world upside down. I changed what I ate. I changed how I slept. I I pretty much started to incorporate all the tools that I was gathering Mm -hmm. from all of these areas. And I started to get better in time. Yeah. This was obviously a long-term, but I, I started to get better so much that I'm like, Hey, wait a minute. I think I might be onto something here. My anxiety was really starting to diminish and stabilize. I physically felt better. I mean, I, I listened to your episode on your own anxiety. So I know that you can probably, you know, relate in a lot of ways. So I was getting better. And this was the first time in my life that I was fully getting better. So at this point I'm like, well, now I feel like I have something that I want to talk about. Um, and I didn't know where to talk about it. Cause meanwhile, I'm still moonlighting in this other world and <laughs> this other office, you know, doing my old thing. So I went online and I wasn't sure how it was going to come across from multiple perspectives. Here I am a psychologist saying, Hey, you don't need me. There's many ways that you can heal. Here are mm-hmm. some of them. Yeah. Um, I didn't know how that was going to sit with the people. I didn't know how that was going to sit with the practitioners, yeah. I didn't know, but I knew at least from, I, I, I knew intuitively that I was onto something and I wanted to see how it would go over. And so I started to release my methods and I started to talk about them. And I mean, the growth was astronomical from the beginning. I don't take all the credit for it. Honestly, I think it's that people are ready. People are, I mean, not to say the, the cliche saying, yeah. sick and tired of being sick and tired and holistic wellness is, was gaining steam. And I think I just came and I started to, I'm very much about practical ways, like I said, tools that you can use, whether or not you have somebody to talk to or not, that you can understand and use and see what happens. I did not know what was going to happen. As a couple months went by, I started to get emails and messages trickling in that these people are doing these things and that they too are getting better. Yeah. Now, obviously I'm like mind blown. I had confirmation. My, my pool of experiment had, had expanded, you know, the scientists. All right. Now this is, it's not just me. Now it seems like others are benefiting. Um, and at that point I really took a long, hard look, was very honest with myself and started to realize that I had to pivot entirely the way that I was working. I had to start to use this Mm -hmm. with clients. I started to really adapt the holistic methods into my in the room work. And I became, I guess, the holistic psychologist that I deem myself now. <laughs> so the holistic psychologist. So, so I know, um, and you had mentioned you were doing everything kind of, you know, by the, by the book or the way that it, you know, traditionally was done, you know, and before you probably weren't 
maybe so much taking a look at diet and all the things that come into it being, you know, at that point becoming a holistic method. So now um, if someone doesn't know, you know, what holistic psychology might mean, um, do you explain it to them in a certain way that you're, you're able now to integrate a lot more of like the holistic side? Cause I know you post a lot about gut health, like we said, and you know, vitamin D, which we all know my three magic elixirs. I, you know, I, I preach about them every single show. Um, so, you know, how are you, how are you explaining like, Hey, you know, I am the holistic psychologist and that means we get to do, you know, A, B, C, and D. Is that mm-hmm. something that you're, you know, trying to, to put out there and, and integrate into your practice? Yeah, 100%. And the simplest way I put it is making sure. So holistic mean mind, body, right? Mm-hmm. We need to, we need to now account for the fact that we have a body yes. and that there are physiological imbalances that based on daily lifestyle choices that we're making, that's the intervention now, right? To change those, to rebalance our body, to make sure that our body is working for us and not against us, because there's a lot of the symptoms that people are getting diagnoses about, or, you know, with, and if we're getting slapped, depression, anxiety, you know, sometimes more severe, you know, diagnoses, we're getting medicated, mm-hmm. that I believe the physiological imbalances are at least part of the picture. It's not all of the picture, in my opinion, we cannot forget the mind, the part of the mind that I'm most concerned with. Right. Subconscious part of our mind. Mm-hmm. I call it, I mean, I, I often refer to it as I think a lot of us do at, with the computer analogy. So I think mm-hmm. that's pretty universal. It's our software that we're running on. Right. Um, problematically so, because this software gets programmed, go with that analogy further, if you will, based on our past experiences, usually at a time and a place where our lives looked a lot different. We were, we didn't have the developmental skills and tools that we now have. Right. That's what we continue to carry with us. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you actually the amount of times I hear the word stuck from people. And I've honestly felt stuck myself. That's what pivoted me at this time. I was feeling yeah. I was stuck as a human, but I was feeling stuck in the room right along very frustrated people mm-hmm. who knew they wanted to get better who came in week after week intending to get better and talking about all the plans that they were going to do differently. And then they'd go back onto that autopilot for the next six days and not do better and then right back in those old patterns. So the way I explain it now, we need to make sure that we're in a balanced body. So if there's any underlying physiological imbalances that are contributing to your lack of optimal mental wellness, let's get those in order. And then we really need to take a long, hard look at that subconscious and the role that that is playing in keeping us stuck because it's there for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. And mind body work is so important. And I think, um, and I think you've mentioned it before, you know, people are, we're kind of waking up and we're, we're shifting, I think, as, you know, as our human experience um, to the, all the things that we have at our fingertips now, the knowledge we can go right on Instagram and get that, you know, boost that we need or learn something or, you know, whatever the case may be. But people really are kind of awakening and, you, you know, people are, we're ready for it, you know. And one thing that I have, I think I'm, in, you know, our brains are like computers, but I think, you know, we are able to, you know, create a lot of our, our, um, our life with our own mind. Obviously, mind, body, you know, have to go hand in hand and be balanced, like you said. But I think, you know, we are, we are constantly receiving. We're receiving signals. We're receiving messages, you know, from other people, from the internet, from the universe, from, this, you know, whatever you believe in, you know, whatever you're programmed to believe in from an early age or, you know, whatever the case may be. But, you know, I, for something that's been going on in my mind for a couple of days is like, you know, people don't want touch and go anymore. People, you know, when you're, you go, like, say to like standard practices, when you go to, you know, the psychologist the way it was before or like the doctor it is now you know they touch on it 
and then they, you know, and then it's just go, you know, and, and some people want to be able to have, you know, be met where they're at and just be able to move on. But, you know, that, that doesn't, that doesn't work for the most part anymore. You know, we need like a, we need to work through it and it needs to happen. You know, there needs to be all of this growth and it's a constant growth and it's a constant learning and a constant change. And one thing I love that you incorporate is that you don't just touch and go. You know, if you have a subject that you, you know, or a, a topic or a method that you're sharing, you know, you, you're really diving in and going into detail about those things and, and posting about it. And that has to be kind of, because you have your own experience, kind of a vulnerable place, you know, to be getting now all of this feedback from people. And <laughs> I mean, how are you, how are you keeping yourself from not overwhelmed, but just making sure that you're, you know, balanced and, and making sure that, you know, your people now are, you know, getting what they need from you, I guess is not Mm -hmm. the word, but you know, what they want. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I I just want to kind of touch on what you said. I've always been a, I have never been a big fan, put it this way, of what I call the band-aid approach. Like you're Mm -hmm. saying, the touch and go. Because especially when we're talking about emotions, which the way I define them, Emotions are energies, to speak to your point, we're receiving, we are an energetic body. I mean, quantum, the quantum field, quantum science is, is, is there, it exists, whether or not we want to believe it or not, it's a reality. You know? It's so, true. Like you said, we're sending, we're receiving, so emotions are energies, right? So I was never a fan of a band-aid approach, a cope in the moment and get through it yeah. because, and this is where the quantum comes in, the emotions don't go anywhere. And I mean, they can make us physically ill. They can keep us stuck emotionally. I mean, there's so much. So I don't ever. So many possibilities. Yeah. You know, I think to speak to your point, we're in agreement that I don't think touch and go actually really works. Unless we're getting the underlying, you know, kind of cause of it, then it's just a band-aid. Absolutely. So that's why, and I'm a big fan of, so the, the reason I go in depth, whether it's on Instagram or with the clients that I work with, Mm -hmm. uh, because I think, and maybe this is just speaking from my own personal perspective, but I think it's helpful to know a why. Okay, so this is the way my brain works as the organ that my brain is. This is the way my body works, right? Because when, at least in my opinion, and when we know the understanding and the, the underlying, you know, kind of mechanisms that are either going to keep us stuck or that are going to allow us to progress forward, I think that that just adds to, I mean, not only just the, motiv- the motivation, but, yeah, you know, yeah. I just think the human brain likes to know, likes to have a why. So that is why I'm always deep diving into, into stuff. I also like these topics, so it's not hard, <laughs> right? But to, to answer your question, um, it is a challenge and something I also talk about, you know, this is a little bit more of the relationship piece, which is mm-hmm. definitely where our subconscious programs are played out boundaries is the way that I maintain separation. Okay. So meaning I structure my week so that when I'm with clients, I'm with clients so that I can be fully present because I mean, I have to be fully here to be able to do this work, or at least I choose to be. Um, and then when I do my creating and all the other stuff, you know, where I'm kind of more intellectually in my creative mind and all of that, that is just a separate part of, of my week. So that I think is how I'm able to then not only maintain space for all of it without it bleeding in, but also maintain my own energetic balance in it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, it's so important to do. And I like that you, you know, you're, you're able to uh, recognize that, you know, you have to have that separation of, you know, during your week, you know, and then, and then have your time to yourself too. And I'm sure that people, um, 
you know, when it, when it gets to a certain point, you know, people really do look to you uh, for inspiration and motivation and, you know, just walking the walk with yourself, you know, <laughs> and is, is very important. And I see that happening so much. And I'm, and you know what, I think we all have this form of future self journaling that is like, oh, you know, my future, you think you're just thinking about it. Oh, my future self is going to be awesome because, I, I want to do this, this, and that, but you have this solid way because our brains don't know the difference between a fantasy and reality. So if we're like, oh, I really want to do this, but you are saying, no, we're going to take it for, we're going to put it on paper. We're going to write it down every single day. Mm-hmm. And people are literally transforming in this way. So, mm-hmm. I mean, when did you start future self journaling and what kind of changes did you see? And what do you see mostly like as a whole with your people that are using it? Yeah, absolutely. So I incorporated it. The, the reason why I incorporated it, I noticed in myself and I noticed in my clients that I, you know, like I said, wrecked incredible amounts of time with mm-hmm. that some of us, especially when we're in distress, tend to focus a little more on what caused our distress, however long in the past ago it has been. Yeah. And or on our distress. Mm-hmm. My day was bad. I'm stressed. I'm, what am I in now? Right. So myself included. I tended to do the same thing. And I'm a believer in, like you're saying, if we just keep repetitively, the brain is so powerful. Mm -hmm. It does not know the difference between what's real or imagined. And I was starting to come to the realization, again, quite a painful one, because I think this also is where I shifted. And I think that there's a continued to shift in the more traditional field. I will never, I will always say, yes, I am a huge believer. There is a value in the past. I will never throw that out. Right psychologist in me but I do believe that that is that does play a part in our healing as mm-hmm. do our emotions now they are in my opinion messengers so yeah. I'm not to say avoid that talk but I was starting to realize in myself and my clients that there was a stuckness again by mentally rehearsing all that came and all that was yeah and we were limiting our creative abilities in terms of thinking and if we did think about a future it was more like of a pipe dream where I didn't understand like how I would even get there future. yeah So what I started to play around with was, okay, because I know how powerful the mind is and because I know that the mind does not know the difference between the real and imagined, because I know that even thinking thoughts can generate a physiological change in the body, I started myself to play around with, and I was never a journaler, but in the beginning I would use journaling of my healing because I had a lot of realizations about my my past that I was not conscious of for a long time that were coming up. So I was using journaling again in this way of these are my feelings. This is my path. I was making sense of it. But I started to experiment with, hmm, let me shift the way that I'm even journaling myself. Once I obviously felt that I got all of that out enough that I was ready to make the shift. Cause I do think that's part of the process, getting it up and out. And then I started to explore how to use journaling for a more future-based way in a more structured way as a consistent tool. So I came up with, um, anyone who's interested out there, it comes free to your email box when you sign up for my email list on my website, but it's called a future self journal. It's a template I put together, Mm -hmm. which essentially is the practice of deciding on how you want to be different. I suggest you start in one area with one new, one change, one new habit, one. I know that there's a lot of ways that a lot of us want to be different, but one. So that gives us a focus of attention because I'm a big believer in, again, our attention is our greatest asset where we put our attention, change comes. So instead of putting on five things, put it on one, 
Mm-hmm. And then the practice of journaling. I love that you're like kind of saying the real and imagined, right? While you're sitting there each day now and you can follow prompts, I map them out for you. You're participating in imagining this new future self. How will you feel when you're this future self? Yeah. What ways, what ways in the current day ahead of you, whether you do it at night or in the morning, can you start to practice being this future self? While you're, me- while you're writing this, you're mentally rehearsing, you're bringing it to your conscious awareness, your attention, mm-hmm. which if you do that on a daily basis now. And I found, and the, the responses I'm getting from people, myself, I had incredible change in my life based on this. Yeah. Why again, I was like, let's see if anyone else can. Oh, it's, a, it's incredible said. to watch. It's truly incredible to see the things that you share, how people have just absolutely transformed. It's so incredible. I know. I, I, I appreciate, you know, it is, I mean, my, I get chills every day when I, I know things. I just did too. It's crazy. It's like crazy. So what it is again, right? So you're now making a commitment to be different mm-hmm. every day. You're writing about how you're being different every day. That brings us to consciousness. I talk about consciousness all the time mm-hmm. because in consciousness is choice. We're not on autopilot, right? So if you've done this every day, it's already more alive for you. Again, you're mentally rehearsing. So you're lighting up new pathways as if it's already true. Right. Then you go about your day. And you're increasing the likelihood that you're going to start to make, use those new pathways and make those new choices. You string together enough days, Ashley, and you have significant change. And I think that's what people are starting to experience. And this tool you can use, I use it all the time. I've evolved the way I use it. In the beginning, I used it just for habit creation because mm-hmm. I was, my life did not look like it. If you guys follow me out there, whoever might start following me, my life looks I'm telling you a whole hell of a lot different than it used to. So for me, it was just about habit creation in the beginning. And then I, I started to change and then I started to do the more deeper subconscious work. So this tool really can be really versatile. And yeah. It's incredible. It's incredible what people, the results people are getting. It is. And, and what I like too, is that, you know, you give them this, you give them this really powerful and I'll, I'll put a link in the description where all you guys can follow her and um, okay. use some future self journaling and, and get all the things. And, um, but I like that you're giving them these tools, but then you're, you're, you're kind of helping see them through it. Like, you know, um, for instance, whenever doing some future self journaling, or even if, you know, they're just starting with regular journaling or whatever the case may be, there are a lot of things that do come up, you know, like you said, we're never going to discard the past and that can be really painful. Um, I know that from personal experience. So I think, you know, now that I've come through it and I'm still evolving and learning and growing. And I think we all should constantly be doing that. Um, but it's really painful. So not only are you saying, okay, here, do this, you know, and then you're going to start to transform. You're also saying, okay, look, you know, these things might arise and it is going to be pretty painful, but you got to show up and fight for yourself sometimes. And, you know, these, you know, and also like the work of Carl Jung and shadow self, you know, that is, you're going to have to live in your shadow a little bit and, you know, and, and live with that and, and, you know, know that not all parts of you are going to be okay. You know, you don't have to be freaking grateful for everything every single day and you don't have to, you know, have a smile on your face. It's okay to, you know, let that kind of seep in sometimes as long as you're mindful of it. So I like, I like that because um, a lot of people try to put out a message that, you know, it all positive and all, po- and yes, positivity rewires the brain and all that stuff. But, you know, I, I like that you talk about the shadow self. And, and so for those of, of the people listening who, who might not know what the shadow self is or still a little bit uncomfortable with the shadow self, give a little explanation and how you try to incorporate that maybe a little bit with people sometimes to make them feel a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I am often always, and this again goes against drastically against the clinical training, but I've always been one who questioned 
when we're trained in any sort of mental wellness field, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. we're very much told very directly in a lot of yeah. ways <laughs> to, keep, to keep you out of it, not to disclose personal stuff. You, yeah. Your life doesn't matter in the room. And I understand conceptually um, why that, that was believed to be the case, but it never sat comfortably with me. Yeah. I was always someone who was very comfortable talking about myself and I actually thought it could build connection and relatability. And while my journey is not everyone's, I did always, I was always hesitant to keep it so far out of the room. Like I was yeah. Saying. Yeah. So I say that to then say, I also think it's important and I value, you know, sharing of, of my own shadow and my own journey and the difficulties that I experience as well. And I think it can be incredibly healing for others to hear. It was for me when I started to share, especially certain aspects of my experience and the overwhelming, not only just support, but people in my inbox and my messages who felt the same, right? That for me was incredibly, I mean, you, my community is healing right alongside of me and helping me to heal just as much as I, yeah. you know, I'm helping them to heal. I mean, that, right. that's it. Right. So I say all that to say that, you know, kind of sharing of the self, I think is important, whether it's the, the self that we're proud of or the shadow. So the, what, what the shadow is, um, I had someone ask me on a podcast if I think that we all have one and yes, we all have one. So we come to this earth, however you think we get here mm-hmm. and we are, you know, born into some sort of structured people whether right. it's one parent, two parents, five parents, you know, whatever, siblings. <laughs> we, we, have a, we have people around us. Yeah. We have systems around us. We have, you know, schools. We have, we have all of this stuff and all of this messages. And what, what starts to happen of no ill intent often of those caregivers or systems, you know, kind of own, because yeah. people are sensitive. <laughs> we get messages. Yes. Really bluntly about what's I'm going to put this really simply, actually. What's good and what's bad? Yeah, yeah. What's acceptable and what's not? Which gets right. us love. I think all of it, I wrote a post today. Um, a lot of it is based around, as we are we are social beings. We are social creatures. We have a tribe mentality of evolutionarily. We want nothing more. I think that as humans, we all share a universal need to be seen, heard, understood, loved. I mean, that we can all wrapped up in the one. It's all interconnected. We all have that, you know? Yeah. And that's incredibly strong, especially when we're a little dependent being who quite literally needs the caregivers to feed us, to meet our needs, right? So we learn very early on from that dependent state that we do need these people. Yeah. And it does feel good once we're even out of the need-based state where we can feed ourselves. It feels good to get positive and love, you know? And we start to learn. We're very savvy. You're very, we come prepackaged as very savvy, adaptive creatures, I believe. Right, right. And we start to know what gets us the good feelings and what we need to hide to avoid the bad feelings. Right. So what the shadow self is are all the things that we've been taught, whether wherever it came from, the immediate caregiving environment, the the society, the world at large, we (laughs) we taught ourselves in a very adaptive way to maintain love, Mm -hmm. all the stuff that we have to hide. Yeah. But that's still there. It's Mm -hmm. still part of us and that's okay we're human it doesn't matter that it's there we can have crazy thoughts we can have crazy feelings i think what matters is what do we choose to do you sure know? so that is how the most simple way that i define shadow self so it's all that we kind of forsook in a sense forsaken forsaked whatever that path is, you know? <laughs> we, said sure. we can't show whatever that word we can't show this stuff yeah it doesn't get us love and then what we do is we become so protected and so shameful, and we hide and tuck that stuff, or so we think, mm-hmm. so far away. 
And in my opinion, that's problematic for a couple of reasons. The fact that it doesn't go anywhere, it's still there. Right. The fact that it creates now this alternate being that is not in connection with who we actually are. Right. And then we continue to do that year upon year upon year, even now that we're not in those environments anymore. We don't need those reinforcements anymore. We're not in that dependent use state anymore. Mm-hmm. We still carry, I think, the effects of the, I mean, the biggest word that often, shame, you know, yeah. and I feel bad. I mean, whether or not you see my shadow and make me feel bad, I feel terrible. Yeah. I entertain a thought that I've deemed or that has been told to me to deem that it's not good. And often it's the internal judgment, inner critical voice, I often call it, that causes so much suffering. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people, I mean, just like you said, we're programmed by whatever, you know, caregiver, whatever, you know, if they're born into whatever it is, religion or not religion or anything at all. There's the things that are pre-programmed from the time, you know, we're born to about, you know, four, five, six years old. And then that's when I think the conscious starts to kind of wake up on its own. And then, you know, you're, but anyway, so later in life, then some of the shame may come from, you know, personal choices uh, and, and things that society might not, except so much you know so there's just this whole like socio you know nomical factor to you know we we get to answer every single day now with social media and the internet and all the things telling us what's what's right and what's wrong so you know coming to and part of the reason why I believe and know like you're so successful is because this is a place people can go that like you said they're ready but you know they they don't have to adhere to you know this this you know, this structured platform of, um, you know, I I have to do all of these things to get love. It's like, I am, you know, in in, in saying I am who I am, that's, that is kind of, not kind of, it's a very lineal way of, of thinking, but to be very, I, I guess, blunt. I mean, we are who we are, you know, and we are the good and we are the bad. And I love that your platform teaches us to say other things to ourselves other than, you know, I am who I am. Cause that, that I guess doesn't make you stuck, but it just, it, it's kind of an excuse, you know, it's kind of an excuse not to fight for yourself every day and, and not to show up. So you're giving people so much value in what you share and how you share it. And I, I just, I, I commend you. I respect it. You motivate me and inspire me every single day along with thousands. So it's really incredible to watch, honestly. I so appreciate you saying that, Ashley. I could not agree more. I think that there is, you know, a disempowerment in a lot of the beliefs that we hold and a lot of um, the experiences we have because what, what I say the word empowerment a million times a day, because I'm so, I just, that's so incredibly important. Um, and I think that when we're in, this is where the subconscious comes back in and it's understandable. I think that we, a lot of us do sit in some version of a disempowered mental speak or belief because when we're in that autopilot, when we're reacting, you know, or when we're in autopilot, let me say that we are reacting throughout our day. We're reacting with no choice Right. the programs based on not me, not now, not necessarily ever has to be, but this is what it is. We're reacting to events in our environment, to people. We're reacting to everything. We're reacting. And I think then, by extension, it's very understandable that a lot of us then come to believe we are victims of circumstance. Sure. Life happens to me and I have no choice because largely you don't. So what is important for me is the more conscious we become Mm -hmm. 
the more that we are aware that there is a whole internal world and we get to know that internal world that is actually happening between stimulus and reaction. And then the more we elongate that space so that we can then choose something new, mm -hmm. right? then we no longer have to be that victim of, we have choice. We no longer have to be a victim of, of our circumstances anymore. We can be a creator and we don't have to just be who we are. Mm -hmm. Even though who we are is okay, we can also choose who we are Yeah, as well. And I think that is so impactful, but I can see why, and myself included, I had so many limiting beliefs, whether it was from how my physical body would function or not function or the diseases I would get or not get. Yeah. You know? And I had so many limiting beliefs in what I was capable of as a person, as a human, you know, kind of psychologically, emotionally, yeah. that I understand that. I too very much was of the the world happens to me mentality because that right. is the lived experience when we're in that reactive state. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so it, like living in a reactive state is very, and I say this a lot and people might not know what I mean, but it's very lineal. It's like a very one dimensional way of, of looking at things, you know, and there's literally so many other you know, realms of possibility when you were aware of that. And I like you, I like when you say you come into the conscious and it's just, like it, it turns you from reactive to, I guess, you know, aware. And when you're more aware, just like you said, I'm just re-saying everything you just said, but it does, it elongates the space where you're able to, you know, realize your, your possibilities and your probabilities and, you know, your own uh, limits. I mean, really, we don't have any limits, but, you know, it, it, we realize you're, you know, you, you can grow past and you can choose to grow past all of these, you know, limiting beliefs. And you touch on that a lot. And I, I love it so much. I just, <laughs> everything you do is like, ah, oh, this woman, she knows, she gets it. She, she's like, she's out. The, and I love that you work a lot with energy too. It's just, you know, not a lot of people, um, we're, we're, and we're getting there, we're learning, but just working with realizing that everything's an energy, everything is a frequency and taking the message and being able to learn from that and apply it is just, is mm -hmm. huge. And yeah. I see hearing that all the time and I love it. No, thank you for saying that. And, and honestly, I, I not only struggled with limiting beliefs that I was just sharing, energetically, I struggled too. I had a, I had a, this might sound crazy for some listeners out there, but I had to teach myself how to have higher frequency emotions. Mm -hmm. I was so stuck in a fear-based fight and flight response that in the beginning of my journey, me a decade ago, I, and again, this might sound nuts, but I think a lot of people can relate to this. Yeah. I've worked with many of them. I couldn't, it was very hard for me to feel higher energy frequencies of feelings like joy. Yeah. You know, like that sort of thing. So I understand energy in that way too, that we become, I think, stuck in an, a spectrum of energy, which again, like I, I believe translates into feelings. Yeah. And then it comes, we become very restricted in our emotional worlds. And, and I share that because I was very limited in that sense too. I had a very fear-based, low vibe energy repertoire that I lived that was comfortable to me. So we have that level too. We have a, yeah. I believe we have a zone of comfort from the thoughts that we think to the way that we feel energetically, to the things that we do, we memorize ourselves. And every time we try to change, either it's really difficult to even access the change or we get brought back into the zone of comfort because our subconscious mm -hmm. doesn't like change. So I say that because I do think energy also factors into our stuck points and myself included. I had to teach myself how to change my energy as part of my process, how to teach my body, how to vibrate yeah. joy and happiness on a more 
regular basis. Mm -hmm. And that transformation yourself, I'm sure, translates now um, into practice. I think that's kind of an obvious statement. But in your experience, have you worked with someone maybe in the past who now, you know, you're still working with them or somebody new who has come to you and say, okay, you know what, I have given this, I was given this diagnosis of being, you know, bipolar and, you know, manic depressive, you know, they get all these diagnoses, right? And then they get all these pills or all these band-aids like we so loathe to, to have happen. Um, are you able to apply that then to this, you know, you know helping people vibe higher and, and, you know, connect with different frequencies of emotion and, and essentially heal that, you know, that psychological part of their bodies, you know, the bipolar, whatever, whatever the case, may be. those are just examples. But yeah. Um, have you seen that? Like, have you seen people? Yeah. 100%, 100%. I think the whole anxiety spectrum, like I said, involves an evolution from those very fear-based lower you know, restricted mm-hmm. emotional ranges to a more expansive one where yeah. you can feel joy and happiness and ease and all of that. Same thing with depression, right? When we have a very kind of low energetic, low feeling frequency, um, taking a lot of people through a healing process of, of, of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think people can heal really, really, really from anything and everything, you know, even yeah. really difficult. And I even like, you know, trauma-based, you know, again, I I define trauma very broadly. Mm -hmm. I don't think trauma is just the big, acute, cataclysmic thing that happens to us. I think just a consistent unmet need results in a trauma experience, a pattern of being that oftentimes does translate energetically and emotionally. So healing does mean then teaching a person how to shift out, how to shift out by a spending less time and the thoughts that contribute to mm-hmm. that old way of being yeah and it be teaching ourselves how to practice new thoughts and new energies and really again empowering the mm-hmm. awareness that is us to the reality that we can that we can teach this we can learn this and we can set a new imprint you know down into that subconscious so that we can yeah. over time be that sure yeah, absolutely. And I think I think some people um, and the people that I see in practice, they relate their anxiety to being a kind of a, a high vibing energy because in that moment they're freaking out. You know, it's like they, they're so chaotic in their minds and, you know, all of these thoughts come through that like, are they sick? Are they, is something, you know, end of life? Is this, you know, just all of, you know, the weight of the world. So they, they relate that to being high vibe and it's like just teaching them like, no, that's, that's really not, you know, <laughs> it's not realistic. And I, I spent my entire twenties a mess. I was a an anxious, like, just like you said, panic attack. I couldn't wait to turn 30 for some reason for me turning 30, it was just going to drop off and everything was going to eat up uh-huh. in a way. I mean, honestly, I, I fought through all of those anxious moments and everything like that. And I, I, I let it teach me and it did happen eventually, but it was just like <laughs> the mental break of giving myself like, okay, when you turn 30, you're, you just got to get your shit together. Like there, there can't be this anxiety anymore. And you know, you're just going to, you're not going to be that anxious 20 year old anymore. And it, and it really did happen for me, <laughs> but, but, um, I, I forgot I was going with this, but in those moments, you know, I, I, I just had to embrace it and just learn to like, you know, to realize that it is low, low vibe, even though you're freaking out and everything seems like it's spinning and spinning and spinning, that it's not always going to be like that. So yeah, no, I agree. And I, I often 
suggest that we all reframe what our emotions are. I think they are teachers. We can learn from them as long as we can separate ourselves out from them. I want to take it a step further too, because I know I live this experience. I know a lot of listeners out there might be as well, might not think about it in this way, but I talk a lot about emotional addiction. Mm -hmm. So what that I think means, how that applies here and the reason why I bring it up, those of us who are used to being anxious, there's a physiological response of anxiety, right? We have cortisol, we have adrenaline, we have stuff happening. Yeah. Right. So back to this memorized comfort zone, we get used to feeling those chemicals in our body. So I term it addiction, you know, because it's like when we don't have those, we feel weird. It feels unfamiliar. Right. Mm-hmm. So, right. And I share this with you because if you were to have asked me my entire life what I wanted in life, you know, what's your goal? And not like, I'm not things I wanted to do, but I would say I want peace. Yeah. Right. But in moments of peace, I felt so uncomfortable, even though logically it's all I wanted, right? Because I was an anxious mess. That's all I wanted, you know? But I couldn't talk. There was something, and I say this because even though logically it was what I wanted, it was unfamiliar. I, my body was used to cortisol rampant through me, was used to right. adrenaline through me. I felt weird. And what I would observe myself doing, obviously not close enough to the moment to stop it, because I did this a lot, but I would agitate myself, my situation, yeah. my partner, so that I could get my hit. Mm-hmm. You know, of the, the chemicals that I was used to. Yeah. You know, when I say that, I work with a lot of people who desperately want to change, you know, in a vibrational direction, or, but we have to, I think, understand that there is an unfamiliarity in your yeah. body down to the chemicals and the hormones yeah. and the neurotransmitters that is going to be uncomfortable. So just right. walking through it, even though change, as crazy as it sounds, actually change is also uncomfortable. Very, very uncomfortable. And, and I, I can relate to that on a, on a sense that anytime, and I'm, I'm growing into this and I'm still working on it, but anytime I feel comfortable and like things are going really, really, really well, I have to, I, sometimes I'm like, wait, you know, do you still identify with the anxious person? Or are you going to let yourself feel comfortable? And comfort would like used to make me want to come out of my own skin. And I think that's why it evolved in the twenties and why a lot of people do have that come up in their 20s is because now they're on their own <laughs> you know they're in the world world and they can't you know they can't they don't live at home anymore and all these real life things I mean there's lots of reasons but you know it's like you're it's change it's change is really hard and really really you know and I I, I kind of like I tell my people like you gotta you gotta get up and fight you know it's there's gonna be a part of you that you need to you need to muster up the strength and you're gonna have to fight you have to fight yourself or you have to fight the world and that's just kind of unfortunately Unfortunately, that's just kind of how it goes. You know, you need your strength. And so you got to get up and fight, you know, and, and people that I see, and I'm sure you see it a lot too, you know, they, they come and they now identify as the depressed, anxious person. And they rely on that identity so much that they, it's ex, maybe not excuse, but it's reason after reason why they can't change or they don't change or, you know, everything's out to get them. And in a way, you know, injuries or um, accidents or a mental state or something, that's, that's their identity. And they don't know how to to move past that. They don't know how to live with themselves not being that anymore. So a lot of work that I try to do and that I see you try to do as well is just, you know, okay, you know, you really, with the future self journaling, you know, how are you going to feel when you have the financial stability that you want? You know, how are you going to feel? You know, are you going to constantly want the next best thing or can you, can you grow into that and accept everything that comes along with it? Yeah. And I think some people might be surprised if they really gave an honest look yeah. answer because I think there's sometimes a, a 
unexpected, put it this way, emotions that come up when we imagine, we have the good that we imagine having the thing or being the new way will give us, but sometimes there's also fear and it's scary and it comes with maybe more responsibility. So Mm -hmm. there is a function, whether it's because we've assigned an an identity-based meaning to what we're struggling with or or whether or not, like I said, we're chemically, physiologically addicted in this comfort zone or the fact, the mere fact that change is hard. But the truth of the matter too is for some of us that there's a function of remaining here that is, again, works for us. And that it's actually scary to imagine evolving out of that place. I think that, again, like I said, the feelings that would come up if we explore how it would be to have the things also might not always sit on the positive end of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a very important thing to just be mindful of. So, you know, the, and, and I admittedly, I've wanted to start future self journaling for so long, but now I, I think I've got, you know, my solid, my solid kick in the ass to do it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that it's such a great way to just keep, stay mindful that it's not always going to be super easy. It's not actually at all. <laughs> very easy. Um, you know, so, but, but I think you and I um, are both a testament to, what can happen when you allow yourself to go through it and come out the other side and really make the changes and just continue to grow outside of that as well. I mean, you know, there's like the caterpillar becomes the butterfly and that's wonderful, but there's just so many things beyond that, you know, that happen. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I want to normalize that too, actually, because as many messages as I get with all the great progress of future self journaling. So those of you out there who are listening and maybe might grab it, I also get a lot of messages and work with clients through, you know, the healing process. I do work individually with clients through healing. So I have like the inside eye. So mm-hmm. a lot of people are resistant to mm-hmm. it as well, because again, whether it's thinking about this new person or the fact that I'm committing to this change and being this new person, I think it does, you know, resistance, mental resistance, what I call it chatter, all the thoughts that convince us not to do the things that we want to do. That's universal. Like I said, that's based in the subconscious in that memorized comfort zone. It's actually called the homeostatic impulse that we can't, we all have that. No one is, you know, escaping from that. So I share that with you because a lot of people are very resistant to all of the habits, but I'm noticing the future self journaling is bringing up a lot of resistances with people. So one might say that if you do choose to engage in this new (laughs) habit or anyone out there listening, if you have resistance and you you make a new choice what are you doing you're getting past your mind you're getting past that old program you're overcoming you're walking through mm-hmm. which for some people might be really uncomfortable feelings even sit down there and journal how to be net different let alone go and practice being different so you're not alone i've been noticing there's a lot of mental resistance that comes up for people with the journaling me included it took me a long time now you'll see me do it every day mm-hmm Everything you see me do every day, I did not do this every day in the beginning. I was very inconsistent. I started with one habit. I always suggest that. Pick one thing. So small, it's almost not noticeable. Do that one thing until you got that one thing down, then add another thing in. I did not just have a laundry list of things that I started. I now do multiple things a day. And I was also very inconsistent in the beginning. My mental resistance, my chatter won a lot. But every time I made the choice to do it anyway... I empowered the consciousness that was me. So it's totally normal. A lot of people I think are struggling in those ways, especially with habit change overall. Um, And again, like I said, it's just a natural, but every time you make a choice, you're empowering yourself. That's right. You're teaching yourself to trust yourself and, you know, creating good good habits for yourself. And I also like, and we can wrap it up here because I know you've got to go. But you also, I love how you include, you know, 
teaching people to do one thing every day that overcomes their mind. So I talk a lot about cold showers. I mean, if it's, you know, if it's cold showers or if it's just getting up to work out, if it's, you know, if it's one thing and I, and I, and I say, you know, fight yourself, but that's not maybe the correct term, but just, you know, getting over your own mind and, and getting over yourself, getting out of your own way. You know, I love the tips that you give about that as well. So we can end on, I guess, you know, like your greatest, um, advice on having someone just overcome their mind one step at a time. Yeah. I think that the greatest way to overcome our mind is the word that you and I said. I also want to say that when I, when I heard you talking about cold showers, I always like a kindred spirit that <laughs> likes to overcome your mind that way. I'm like, yeah, she knows what's up. But again, that's just <laughs> the best way to overcome our mind period at the end is to develop consciousness. It's to tune in to the reality. And I say this again, because this might sound nuts. And maybe some of you out there know that you're a different entity than your thoughts, but some of you out there listening don't. Yeah. Right? We think we're our thoughts. We think that they are the director of this shit. So greatest, powerful, the end, end all be all tool to initiate any journey of change is to develop that consciousness, whether it's sitting in a meditation or being alone and quiet with yourself, connecting with that which is you, the consciousness, the entity, the being, the spirit, the soul, whatever the hell you are to yourself, tune into that. Give yourself a moment to not be in your thinking mind because that's where choice is and that's where change happens. Yep, that's absolutely true. Oh my, I, I, you know, I love everything about your message and your mission and you as a person, you are you are otherworldly. You are phenomenal and wonderful. Thank you so much for coming and sharing all of your stuff with us. I, I mean, I could literally talk to you for hours. So I uh, hope one day to have you back on, we can, you know, we'll, we'll do something fun. We'll do, I don't know, anything at all, but I would love to have you back on sometime and, you know, best of luck out there, you know, out there on your mission and doing all the things that you do. Please don't stop. You've got the world at your fingertips right now. And I love it. Thank you, Ashley. That's very, very kind. I'm blushing and humbled over here. <laughs> you as well. I love connecting with like-minded people who are also spreading this message. I just see it, it growing and growing and growing. And yeah. I'm so ever ho hopeful for the world and the younger generations. I was talking to a mom this morning and I'm just feeling so, so empowered and inspired when I meet people like you. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And that, I mean, that hits home for me too. I have two young kids and just trying to do the best we can for them in times that seem a little bit scary. <laughs> we just gotta, you know, we gotta dig down and really, you know, help each other out. It really does take a community. So I agree. awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much again. And I will talk to you very soon. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye.